You're listening to the Decluttered Mom Podcast, a podcast built specifically for busy moms by a busy mom. I'm your host, Diana Renee. And in 2017, I had my second daughter and it felt like I was literally drowning in my home. Okay, not literally, but I felt like I couldn't breathe with all of the stuff surrounding me. Over the next 10 months, I got rid of approximately 70% of our household belongings, and I have never looked back. I kind of feel like I hacked the mom system, and I'm here to share all the tips, tricks, and encouragement. Let's listen to today's show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Decluttered Mom Podcast. I'm really excited for you because this episode is going to be part one of a two-part episode, so one today and one next Tuesday, with Carly, my friend Carly. She is debt-free mom on Instagram, and she is someone that I met several years ago on Instagram through the content creator world, and we have become friends off of Instagram, and she is someone I connect with throughout the week. Um, and she also is, I think the only person I've met on Instagram or through Instagram that I have also met in real life. I met her when she came out to visit family in Colorado. Um, and so that was really fun. And, um, as much as it's nice to like meet people on Instagram and connect with them, it's just totally another story when you meet them in person and you're like, oh yeah, they are an actual real human. And so it was really, this week um, we dug into several things. We dug into contentment, we dug into personal finance, budgeting, budgeting with ADHD, all sorts of things. When I first booked her on the podcast, I posted in my Instagram stories and put up a question box and said, what would you want to ask Carly? Um, And so I wrote all of your questions down. We did not get to all of them because if we did, this would be like a seven hour podcast episode. But I did ask a lot of them. And so especially if you submitted a question there, listen closely because your question might have been asked. She is just a very down-to-earth, very relatable mom of four. And she has really, really, really great advice on a lot of different things. But she is someone who I have personally hired in the past for budgeting help and for a full budget review and customized budget and all of those things. And I have also taken her budgeting course. So I just love Carly and I am really excited for you to get to know her better. I'm going to list her uh, social media links below. So if you want to connect with her, you can absolutely do so there. If you listen to this episode and anything she says resonates with you, I would love if you could reach out to her on Instagram, shoot her a DM and let her know. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. I am excited because as I said before, Carly is someone who I met via Instagram and she's the only person I've met via Instagram. And I've also met in real life, even though it was a very short visit because of an owie at school. (laughs) Very short Starbucks meetup. Yeah. Um, She was out here 
um, visiting family, I think. Right. Yep. And we met up at Starbucks for a bit. And then I got a call from the kids school after we already like couldn't find a Starbucks that was even open. So we're like, I'm taking her all around the Denver Metro area. Um, but she has become a friend and, um, she's kind of like a expert in a bunch of different things. Um, And it was really funny because I put up a question box on my Instagram saying like, what do you want to hear about from Carly? And I got so many um, like submissions that were basically like, I'm just so excited because I love Carly and I love hearing from her. Um, So what we're going to do is we're just going to jump into some questions that from you guys, because you had a lot of questions for her. We're just going to jump right into it. If that's cool with you. Sounds good to me. So we're just going to like start off strong. What does contentment mean to you was a great question. I thought, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think what is helpful to start with what it isn't, which is what people usually get all upset about or all worked up about, which it's not the idea that nothing in your life should change, that exactly the way your home is, exactly the way your job is, exactly the way your kids are, that you have to be totally happy with it in a way that you don't even pursue growing or making something better or updating something. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's what people think it is. And I, that is not at all what it is. Um, So it's not the idea that exactly the way your life is right now, you should want it to stay the same. Um, Instead, what it is, is this idea that if I don't If I start chasing other things than what I currently have, I'm going to miss all of the good things that I already have. So it's this decision to start looking at the things that are around me with just a different perspective, a more appreciative perspective. So while I might be saving up to redo my basement, while I might be on a workout plan to improve my muscles, while I'm doing those things, I'm also grateful for the home I have, grateful for the body I have, a decision to focus on the good that we already have in front of us, which can then just take up so much time um, or take up so much space in our mind that we Mm -hmm. realize we don't have as much room for comparison. We don't have as much room for negative negativity. Um, So it's more of a decision of what am I going to focus on? That there are things about my life that I don't love. And there are things about my life that I do love. Which one am I deciding to put more emphasis on um, and center my life around the good and the things that I am grateful for? And I can still leave room to make improvements. But the stuff that is so good about my life that I'm so grateful for, that I enjoy and that that I can't, that I don't want to take away by comparing that those are the things that I'm going to give primary emphasis on in my, in the very limited amount of capacity that our brains have to focus on things. Yeah. I love that. I actually referenced, um, in a recent podcast episode that has not come out yet, something that you put in your stories recently that like, I, I just stopped and like, pause the screen. And I was like, this is so good. And it it was something about like, and I think you said you got it from someone else and I couldn't remember who from, but it was, um, like, it's okay to love your life. Yes. Um, 
Yes. And I, who did, did you get that? Yeah. Um, Allie Hallsworth, her Instagram handle is a life from scratch, all one word. Um, and she just has like over a year ago, she made this reel of just really little clips of her life of like her husband swinging her daughter and like cooking dinner and all these things. And the caption, all she put on it was it's okay to love your life. And it's like, that is such a simple statement, but it feels like a smack in the face of like, oh, I don't have to be chasing the next thing. I don't have to be paying attention to what anybody else's hair, home, car, bank account looks like. I actually, like, I have permission to just whatever is in front of me, wherever I am, whoever I'm with, like, I have permission to love it the way it is, where I think a lot of times, like, you see people have things that are so normal, like a a normal kitchen or a normal backyard, and they feel like they have to give a caveat on, like, well, we hope to, like, update this part someday or something as if it's because it's not, like, the... Pinterest worthy standard that they've seen out there. They have to like qualify why their kitchen looks the way it is. And it's like, it's actually okay to love it exactly the way it looks. Yeah. I really love that. And the, and the qualifiers, I notice a lot because in my program, people post before and afters and oftentimes they will put like a disclaimer at the beginning, like, Oh, I like, I really need to like update blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, and, yeah. and just like you're saying, I think all the, there's like the comparison piece, but then I also think there is, we are a society that really focuses on like goal setting and like having like solid morning routines and like all of these things, like you should always be doing more. Like what you're doing is not good enough or mm-hmm. not optimized and you should change that so that your, your kids are happier and you have a better life and you make more money and, and all of the above. So yeah. I think it kind of goes on to those two sides. Yeah. And I think it really ties into hustle culture too, of like, if you have any spare moment of downtime, what are you out there trying to make better? What are you out there trying to grow and improve? But if we buy into that, then that's, that is a game we can never win because there's never an end to that. Like the, what's it called? The, like the benchmark keeps moving the goal. That's what it is. The goalpost keeps moving. And so as soon as we do hit that goal, we don't even give ourselves time to enjoy it before we've already set the next goal. And we're just as busy on that goal as we were on the first one. So while we might be living in the house that we worked super hard to put a down payment for, as soon as we get into the house, we're like, okay, and now I need to update this and update this and make plans for this. And it's like, just take even just that, like a week to savor yeah. what you have. Yeah. Which I'm totally guilty of. And something that I have always struggled with is I like to call it like next season itis because, you know, like when you have babies who aren't sleeping through the night, I, it's like, oh, I just can't wait until they just sleep through the night. And then when they're sleeping through the night, it's like, oh, I can't wait till they can walk. And, you know, and then it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and next thing you know, you're they're 18. <laughs> yeah, they're 18. Like I'm almost, I turned 40 next year and I'm like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. I, don't I don't understand. And I'm sure that people like, in retirement or like in senior homes probably have a lot of moments like that also where it's just like, what was I, why was I always striving? Why couldn't I just like enjoy my life? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how does contentment in your opinion tie into like decluttering and living more simple and all of that? 
Yeah. So I think, I think the reason that you and I have a large Venn diagram, middle Venn diagram of followers, (laughs) um, is that it ties so strongly into both money and stuff and decluttering. Mm -hmm. Um, and once we realize that we're in this cycle of discontentment that doesn't have a good end game, like Mm -hmm. if we can actually allow ourselves to play out, like if I continue prioritizing these things and chasing these things, is there ever an end to that? Do I ever actually arrive? Um, And once we realize that we don't, and so we start to make changes to what are we going to be content about? I think the number one thing that pops up is stuff, but Mm -hmm. how do we get stuff? It's with money. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think those two things really come to the forefront as soon as we start to realize that contentment might be something we need to work on before working on our wealth or before redoing our home or something. So the way I see it with the contentment with things and money is that when we can start to really focus on what we have and think about why we have it, like think about why we drive the car that we drive or why we have the toys that we have in our home, then we can start to see that a lot of it is tied into this idea of discontentment. That if I was honest with myself and I look around at like the clothes that are in my closet, a lot of it was something sparked discontentment in me about myself or about the clothes I had, the options I had, that I wasn't as well dressed as her or that I wasn't mm-hmm. going on as many vacations as that person. And so I filled that void with an object, with a thing that I thought I could buy that would make me happy. Um, and so as for my, at least for myself, as I started realizing that that was causing me to lose a lot of money and fill up my space with a lot of stuff that I had to start approaching it differently and say, okay, maybe the more I basically ignore what other people are doing and say that has no bearing on my life, um, the more I'm able to be like, it's okay if my closet has eight things in it, even though every picture I've ever seen of a closet has 500 or you know whatever right. it might be. And it's hard to, if someone's listening who is, has not yet started that process, it's hard to even imagine getting to that point, but it is, it's such a snowball effect of like just giving yourself the chance to do that once with one little thing. Like what's a thing that I typically am really discontent about that I fill with stuff and that I buy, and I'm going to give myself the chance, you know, one time to make a different decision and just be curious about what happens instead. And once I started moving down that road, it each time it got a little easier to be like, mm-hmm. okay, I have specific memories now of choosing not to fill that closet with stuff and being happy with it for a long time. I can now apply that experience or that learning to some other area that I had been discontent that now I'm okay with letting go of that stuff because I know it's not going to do what, when I try to buy it, it's not going to do what I wanted it to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that example of the closet. And I think that I know for me personally, like before I started decluttering, especially when I was like so overwhelmed with my home, um, I felt like I was like treating that overwhelm with retail therapy. So like Mm -hmm. I would, especially now, now I know having the ADHD diagnosis that it's like the hit of burst of dopamine every time I hit, you know, 
buy on buy. like the Amazon mm-hmm. part. And so I found myself just buying and buying and buying to kind of fulfill something inside of me that that was helping to like calm me down in like a very overwhelming time of my life. And so that's something that I still, even now have to like remind myself, like, am I buying this because I really want to buy this or am I buying this because I'm bored or because it looks kind of cool and like, it'll just like make me feel good to get this. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, like one of the things that I had to, one of the lines in the sand I kind of had to draw was that shopping would not be a pastime, that I wasn't just going to walk around for fun just to see, Mm -hmm. because it was like, I was all I was doing was creating discontentment for myself by being like, oh, well, you know, the kids were really crazy today and now Kyle's home from work. So I'm just going to go peruse Target. You know, I'm just going to go walk around. But all that did was make me aware of things I didn't have that I didn't know existed 20 minutes ago. Um, And so finding replacement that, you know, like then I was like, okay, well, instead of doing that, I can go out and I can go to even go to Starbucks and the drink is $5, but it doesn't add any clutter to my home. And it's a lot less money than what I was spending when I was going and walking around these stores. So really flipping that, like, I know a lot of people like genuinely love shopping and, and I am, I am a spender. And like, that's why I had to do that to be like, that is not producing a good benefit in your life. And you're, it's just like opening more discontentment that, that you're already struggling with in the first place. And so drawing a line in the sand for myself that like when there is something specific that I know that myself or someone in my family or my home needs, then I'll make a plan for going and buying that thing. But just walking around a store that's just full of things begging to be bought and stores that are, I mean, a place like Target spends millions and millions of dollars making their store optimized for whoever walks through the door to spend as much as humanly possible. And so it's like, I'm not just going to the library or go a walk in the park or something. I'm actually walking into like a science experiment on how can we get this person to spend the maximum number of dollars? And who am I to think I'm going to win against the marketing department at Target? I'm probably not going to. But that's just like, that was one of those choices that I had to make for myself of like, that does not end well for you you've been here before and it doesn't go well don't do it again yeah that's I have a rule when I walk into Target the only time I'm allowed to even look at the dollar spot is if I have like a specific reason like today I went to the dollar spot because we're going on a trip soon and I like their little like pack their little like Paw Patrol and Minnie Mouse like packet you know activity Mm -hmm. packs that they always put in the dollar spot and so I walk, I walked over and I looked and like, I even found myself like starting to be like, Oh, but this would be really cool. And I'm like, that's because target knows what they're doing. They yes. know what to put in this. It's only one to $5. They know you can just grab it and not feel mm-hmm. too bad, but yeah, I'm not allowed to look at that without like intent because yeah. otherwise I will just buy the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Me too. I always, I kind of wonder if it would like because you have ADHD also, right? Um, yes. <laughs> and so I I wonder if it would be different if I was like a mom in the 80s and I couldn't online shop and I had to go to a mall and like then Target was like more of like, it wasn't what it is today. It was not yeah. as cool <laughs> as it is today. Um, if it would be like, if that would be advantageous because I would have to actually like get in my car and go drive somewhere mm-hmm. to like, get that dopamine hit or if like online shopping has just made that easier. 
like, what would you say your number one tip would be to someone who just struggles with retail therapy and like they buy just to buy? What would be your like number one tangible tip for them? Yeah. So I would first make sure that there is money in their budget to buy stuff just because they want it. Like I, I, I don't think so often when people are like, oh, my shopping is the problem. And so they're like, okay, next month I'm not shopping. Um, and that just doesn't, that just doesn't work. And so I think taking a little bit of time to say what amount of shopping does fit into my overall plan, because really what there's, when, when someone says my shopping is the problem, what that means to me is there's some larger loss long-term goal, um, like saving, paying off debt, retirement, buying a house that they feel like their day-to-day shopping is getting in the way of accomplishing that goal. Um, Mm -hmm. so when we can remember what it's taking away from, sometimes it becomes easier to shift that than just anybody who just tries to say, okay, I'm going to spend less next month just for the sake of spending less. That's usually not someone that finds a lot of success in that because there's not something positive that they're working towards. And so instead I like to say, well, like the, the less we spend in some areas, it just means that the more we get to spend in some other area. So we have to find something that is so attractive, so appealing to us that suddenly the shopping becomes less appealing. So having a really strong goal that you're actually excited about. Um, so if you're not excited about retirement, don't make it retirement. Like make it something that you are actually like, oh, my, you know, if you're like some people, one specific debt really bothers them, whether it's a credit card or they borrowed money from a family member and they really want to pay it back or something. What's the one that just like that goal that lights a fire under them that they're like, I just really wish I could make that happen. And then start to tie how much we're able to control our shopping with how much we're able to win in that goal. Um, And so as we can see that tangible progress and as we can see those things, uh, you know, the meter go up, if we have a chart that we can color in on the fridge, I recommend that. Um, Just visually seeing how when our shopping fits within the budget, then we're able to make progress. And when we go far outside the bounds we've given for ourselves, then we see the progress move backwards. Um, So having a small amount of money that they can spend that is in the plan so they know that it's not a zero, we're not shooting for never buy anything. Um, But then also having a goal that they can say that is the thing that they're positively working towards. I don't like spending less is not a good goal. I don't like that goal. I want it to be something that is actually a a positive future focused thing. And then we say, okay, in order to achieve that, here are the caps we have to have in the other areas of our life in order to achieve that goal. Yeah. Something I learned from you too, because when we did our um, consultations, okay. So I hired Carly to do like a, basically a budget review for me and like a consultation. And one of the things that she pointed out to me was like, you have too many goals. Like you have too many things that you're trying to save for. And so like it muddies the water and it like waters everything down and makes none of it feel motivating enough because it feels almost unattainable to do this and this and this and this. Um, and she taught me that you need to just pick one for now. Like that doesn't mean you can't do the other things later, but like, just focus on one, the one that excites you the most or the one that you think you can hit earliest. Um, and focus on that. So I like that combined with what you were just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it, it just goes with good 
goal setting and progress too. You know, if you think about your program, you don't have people bop around room to room to room all at the same time so that they can feel a little bit of progress Mm -hmm. on their first floor and a little bit of progress on their second floor. You're like, no, okay, we are in the kitchen and we're doing the kitchen until the kitchen's done. And that allows like such a concentrated amount of progress in one area feels so good because you can Mm -hmm. see it, you can feel it, you know that you made a difference in that one room. And so instead of just being bogged down by the lack of progress in the other rooms, you're then excited to shift from the kitchen to the bedroom because you're like, now I see how this makes a difference. So the right. same thing applies to those money goals of if, like you said, if you have 10 things that you really want to accomplish, but you only have 500 extra dollars a month, well, that means that each one is only getting $50 a month. And if you have a massive goal and you're throwing $50 a month at it, it's going to take a super long time to accomplish. But if we take that exact same $500 and put it on one goal every single month, then we can actually feel the weight of the progress. Yeah. I've learned over the years, like I, I swear the more I learn about goal setting, like the smaller increments I set my goals, like, um, atomic habits, the book, I know you've read that also, Mm -hmm. right. Um, that book is like, like what really set that off for me is like the 1%, like just how can I improve by the 1%? So recently I decided that I want to stop consuming so much sugar because I was just like mindlessly, like I, have a sweet tooth, but I was just like mindlessly eating too much sugar. And the drink that I get at Starbucks all the time, it has, I, I had no idea. I was like, Oh, it's really good. And then I looked up at like, what was actually in the drink? And I was like, well, now I know why it's really good. (laughs) It had like, um, I think it was like four pumps of the syrup that goes into it. And so I was like, okay, well, if I go from four pumps to zero is going to taste disgusting to me because, you know, it's, it doesn't have the good stuff. So what I did is I would, I, I took it down to three pumps for a full week. I go to Starbucks too much, but so I take it down for a full week and then I would go down to two pumps and now I'm down to zero and it tastes good because like I incrementally like stepped myself yep. down instead of just being like, boom, I'm going to do it. Just like, I'm going to stop spending money this month. Yeah and work towards it. Um, something that has helped me a lot with, uh, retail therapy is just like creating rules around, especially if there's specific websites that you use a lot, like Amazon or the target, like drive up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And just having it be where like you can add to your cart as much as you want, but you can only order once a month or you can Mm -hmm. only order every other week or something like that and have like a specific date in your calendar. I know that's not, telling yourself that you can't spend it all, but it's just, you have to spend it a little bit later. And by the time you actually go to like, check out, you're like, why did I want this thing? Like, yeah. that's, that's not a thing that I want anymore. Yeah. And it also helps too with, it's really easy to say yes to purchases that are a small amount. But when we see the sum total of all of them together, like Amazon makes it so easy to buy this $9 thing and this $15 thing Mm -hmm. and this $27 thing. And so we never actually lay eyes on the total. But if we let, like, if we're like, okay, like you said, I'm going to buy once a month from Amazon. And so we just over the month, add those things up. Then when we go to the checkout, it's all the exact same items, but we have to press yes on a $375 total or something Mm -hmm. instead 
instead of that small one. And then we're like, hang on a second. Like, I don't want it that much. And so it's the same, you know, it would have been that same amount if we had done it in five different transactions, but waiting until we see it all together first is usually enough to pause about at least some of the stuff in there and change our mind. Yeah. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Um, when a lot of people come to me with decluttering, uh, like a common problem that they have is that they don't know what to do with this stuff. And so that's like something that we cover in depth inside my program, as far as like, should you donate it? Should you trash it? Should you recycle it? Should you, you know, all of those things. But one of the biggest questions is, well, should I sell it? Mm -hmm. And until the past, like, you know, everything going on with the economy over the last year, a little bit longer than that. Um, my answer was always like, no, absolutely not. Unless you like absolutely have to, because it slows down your momentum so much. Mm -hmm. And we all know that Facebook marketplace and things like that are not exactly, um, like great for time Mm -hmm. (laughs) use of time because you're going to get like eight people asking you if it's available and then never Mm -hmm. showing up and all of that. So it tends to slow down the process. It tends to demotivate you as you're going through the process. It's already hard for you. Um, But my stance on that has changed a little bit over the last year. So because so many people are in a situation where they just, they, they need the money and they have to do it. Um, But I'm curious, that was a very common question. And the question box was for you was, um, is it okay from a budget perspective to just donate it versus sell it. And I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Absolutely, because it's a sunk cost. You have already spent the money. So there's no like getting it back. Is Even if you sell it, you're not gonna get everything back. So in terms of like, when I look at somebody's budget and I help them with a budget, all I'm looking at are their current income and their upcoming expenses. We're not looking back at what already happened. So- we can't subtract, you know, I can't go backwards a month and be like minus $25. Um, so there's some, there's like some stuff, like if it is a baby item, that's like a hot brand, you could sell it in a day. Um, (laughs) but if it's like when, when people have things that mean something to them because of the memories and the experiences, then they try to go sell it on Facebook marketplace and nobody wants it. And they're like offended that no one wants it. It's it's because of the, it's because it has sentimental value to you, not because it has value in the market. So the things that I list and buy are uh, especially things related to kids. So toys that they stop using really quickly. And so I know for a fact that there are other parents who would love to get this exact same toy for half of what it is in the store. Those things tend to sell really well. And other than that, I tend furniture, I'll list, but I tend not to try and like you said, spend all of that time taking pictures, writing a description, coordinating Mm -hmm. with people. And then they leave you the $8 in quarters or something. Yeah. (laughs) And it just like, there's just just some weird people on Facebook marketplace. Yes. (laughs) Yep. For sure. For sure. So there's no, like, if it makes you feel a lot of times people are like, it just makes me feel better to get a little something back so that I'm not just tossing it. But yeah, again, it is that sunk cost of like, what's done is done. You bought it. If you like, if, 
if you really can get something good out of it, then go ahead and list it. But I would also set really firm dates of like, I'm going to list this. I'm going to set a reminder on my phone for five days from now. And if nobody's even said anything about it, it's going to donation. Yeah. I love that. Another common question is, um, people are curious if you are a thrifter. Mm. Every once in a while, however, I will say it's funny you asked that because I drove by a long list uh, or a long row of garage sales today. Mm -hmm. And I had the thought, I would be the person that loves a garage sale. Why don't I garage sale? And I think it is because of that same thing that I brought up with stores of because you have absolutely no idea what's at a garage sale until you walk up to it. Same with a thrift store. It it just lends itself towards shopping in general, as opposed to looking for something specific that I actually want or need. So I don't like, I just had that thought today of like, you know, anybody who only knew who I was and what I did, but didn't know me personally, I, I had the thought, I, I would guess that people think I'm a garage sailor, which that kind of fits into that question of a thrifter. Um, right. so I was trying to kind of, you know, dive into why don't I do that? Cause I love to save money. I love to spend less than I need to on something. But I think for me, the, garage sailing and thrifting because it's such an investment of time to go around to all of them looking for what you think you need that I would much rather use my sleuthing skills online to find the same thing for cheaper mm-hmm. on eBay or something that I can place an order for than thrift stores and garage sales. So I occasionally like this summer when the weather got warmer and I needed some new clothes for warm weather. I did go to two thrift stores that I knew were good for women's clothing. And, but I was there specifically to look through the women's clothing and find, you know, a a handful of shirts for myself or something. I don't ever just walk into a thrift store just to do it. Just to, just for fun, just to look around. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I went, when my girls were little, I started, like, I had never really thrifted before then. And I think it's because like the area that I grew up in, I don't think there even was a a thrift store that I can even think about. And then now when my girls were little, I was like, I I discovered them because I would go like bring their old clothes to them, you know, the consignment stores. And um, then I started looking around at them. And then I realized one day that I was spending more money at thrift stores than if I had just ordered like what I actually needed from Target yeah. because I was like, oh, that's a really cute onesie, but that's also like a cool jumper toy that mm-hmm. like I had never thought about ever. And now I just bought it for $40. <laughs> like that yeah. was a waste of money. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I do, I go to once upon a child for kids clothes and which is for people unfamiliar, it's, it is like a, it's not consignment because you actually sell it to them. Um, yeah, yeah, it's used, it's, it's high quality name brand used children's clothing and toys and stuff. Um, anyways, I do go there for them, but I go with a list of, I'm looking for this size with, I need four pairs of shorts and three pairs of long sleeve shirts and things like that. Again, even for just like for myself, for my kids too, I don't just like browse, um, because it, it, 
going back to the contentment issue, it creates a false sense of a need that I didn't even Mm -hmm. think I needed before I walked in the store. Um, So I do take advantage of stores like that to get the same thing. Cause a lot of times, especially with kids clothes, it either has the tags on it or they wore it once, you know, cause the kid grew Mm -hmm. out of it or whatever. Um, So I do take advantage of those lower prices for still same quality goods, but I go in with a specific plan of like, okay, we just went from, you know, warm weather to cold weather and nobody's pants fit. So we're going in and we're getting, you know, this kid, this many pants and this kid, this many pants. Um, And then I just try to stick to my list and get out. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the first part of the conversation with Carly. We're going to have the second part next week, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, where we're going to talk about more things in the budgeting realm um, and also ask her more of your questions. So be sure to tune in next week for the second half of the conversation with Carly from Debt-Free Mom. Thanks for hanging out and listening to the Decluttered Mom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could write a review or share this episode with a friend or your Instagram stories. And if you're on Instagram, be sure to follow me at the.decluttered.mom and send me a DM to say hi. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. I hope you'll come back next week and hang out with us again.